Welcome, learners and learners alike, to help teach. Hello, and welcome to our community audio project. I am your host, editor, producer, and project co-lead Mihai Kovacar. I'm also a youth living with a physical disability. My most formative experiences living with a disability have come in the Canadian public education system. Many students like me with physical, emotional, or mental challenges go through their years of schooling lacking the supports and accommodations they need to partake of the same opportunities offered to their peers. The vision of this project is to provide educators in Canadian classrooms, students with disabilities, and members of the general public with the tools and knowledge that they need to make our institutions more accessible and inclusive for all. Join me and a diverse cast of guests as we explore perspectives on disabilities in education in this podcast series. One last message for you teachers tuning in. Listen in each episode for our key takeaway that you can implement in your classroom today to help us further this vision. Hello and welcome back to Help Teach. I'm really excited to have you all back on the show to really get things back uh, kicking and, and really hit the ground running in the new year with some great episodes and some great advice for you. Today, I am very pleased and happy to bring on to the show another member of the Youth Leadership Committee under the Rick Hansen Foundation. You'll recall it's this group of wonderful, talented youths that have helped me get this show off the ground in the first place with my co-leads, Maggie Manning, Peyton Given, Alexis Holmgren, and Elise Doucette. And today, I am very happy to bring on another one of these Youth Leadership Committee members to have a great conversation today, Jordan Lowe. Jordan, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So, as I do in all my episodes with all my guests, I'd love to start talking a little bit about you. I want to talk about who you are, where you're from, uh, and get into a little bit of your experience in education. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience? Hi, everyone. My name is Jordan Lowe. I am 24 years old, and I live uh, in the town of New Glasgow, uh, Nova Scotia, in Atlanta, Canada. Yeah, it's uh, great to have someone on from the Maritimes. I know that Many of our listeners might be aware that there's been some pretty significant turbulence out there in education and with teachers. Recently, there's been a, a series of strikes and other uh, protests on behalf of teachers uh, against government and, and you know, against uh, or on behalf of the teachers union and that kind of thing. So it's been quite a, a turbulent experience in education for the past few years and and building over the last little while out there. Um, before we get to that and to sort of the, uh, the environment of education more broadly, I want to know a little bit about you and your disability, the obstacles you face in, in your daily life, just to give an idea of sort of the angle we're coming from on, on uh, today's episode. Sure. Um, I was born with a very rare spinal condition. Um, it's, it's a super long name. But the shorter version that the medical industry gave it is called Fishman's Syndrome. Um, I, I'm telling you right now, if you look that up on the internet, it is something that is extremely long when you see the medical name. <laughs> but what it is, is um, it's a interspinal lipoma, 
that travels 85% uh, down my uh, spinal cord. It's it's not deadly. It's just a bunch of fatty tissue sitting there. Mm. And what that can do, it it can really affect people's uh, physical appearance. And it can also affect their physical mobility or their their verbal uh, mobility as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was very fortunate to catch um, the ability to use my voice because over the years, um, I was also I was also born with clonus, and that's a rhythmic tremor. Which, um, uh, d- during the show today, if you see any wild shakiness, it's just muscle spasms, and that is what clonus is. Mm-hmm. Um, these rhythmic tremors can happen at any time, and just I call them miniature earthquakes. So, <laughs> yeah, always, you, always great with a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, so if you see a miniature earthquake on today's show, then, uh, it, no it's not in Nova to, Scotia, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, no need to uh, duck and cover. <laughs> right, right. So, um, yeah, what what I wanted to also ask you about uh, in relation to that is that so you are a wheelchair user, and I know that you have a lot of great work that you do both with wheelchairs and a passion for models in that respect, and also you do a lot of work with. Uh, elevators. Do you want to give us a little bit of a well elevator pitch, pun intended, about your work and your and your YouTube channel and everything? Because I'm sure that people would love to hear about it. Yeah, sure. Um, for the past um ten years, well, it'll be ten years. Oh, it's been ten years. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> you um, had your your anniversary when we uh, we celebrated. Yes, a little bit. yes. Um, it'll be eleven years this March. I have been running my YouTube channel, uh, Jordan Lowell Elevators Canada, um, on YouTube. Um, what I do is elevator, um, reviews. So what I do is I use my iPhone as my camera because it's, well, I got the best camera on it right now for the production. And, um, I, I kid you not, I started using an iPod touch to start <laughs> that channel. But w- what we do in this channel is we get in the elevator and I start filming. And for example, let's say this is the elevator at Carleton University in Ottawa, Ontario. And then I will explain uh, the company that installed it. Um, the just all the overall specs on the elevator will going up and down once or twice. And sometimes if I'm lucky enough, I may be get, I may be able to get access to the machine room. If, um, if a staff member allows it when I tell them about my channel and yeah, it's pretty amazing. I went from being afraid of elevators for, I want to say, Oh, seven years, mm. if not a, a little more, 
to uh, now being a full-blown elevator nerd, I guess you could say. <laughs> and um, it's actually recently just led me to some really, really interesting opportunities. Because last year, the big the big ticket for my channel last year was that I was invited to the Canadian Elevator Contractors Association convention when they had their convention uh, at the Halifax Convention Center. Mm-hmm. Congratulations on that. How was that? How was that experience? It was actually, it, it, it was just, it was mind-blowing. Like, I thought, like, for just 10 years of doing this, I know some guys get lucky and they get to explore like test facilities and and all that jazz in the community. I haven't had that privilege of doing that yet. I hope to reach out to elevator companies in the future. And um, I have had some connections with elevator companies from that convention and we've had some good talks and in fact, I need to put out a new email to them and see how they're doing after the new year. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I got to do that. And it's just, it's amazing the technology that goes into these. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it is a real mind opener. For sure. So, to the average person, when they get in an elevator, they just don't know a thing about them <laughs> unless they, unless you're a repairman. Yeah, that, I, I know, I don't. You know, <laughs> but when I get in them, I'm I'm assessing how good they're functioning, even when I'm not filming. Yeah, for sure, so, for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it it does do that. You know, it's interesting being having this experience uh, really gives us, I, I like to call it a bit of a spidey sense almost for uh, accessibility features in an environment. Uh, I definitely know what you're talking about. I, when I walk around, I'm, I'm looking from my own personal lived experience. I'm looking at things like, you know, crosswalks and, and sidewalks and stuff like that in terms of physical mobility stuff. Right. And I definitely, so I know, I know where you're coming from. One thing I did want to mention before we move to our our second half of the conversation here is uh, what I didn't say is that Jordan and I, like other members of the YLC, met in 2017 at the Rick Hansen Youth Leadership Summit. So that's where we f- sort of first interacted before getting in touch here again. And one thing I haven't said on the show before is that at the end of that conference, we actually made these little placards, if you remember, where we wrote down a pledge. Uh, pledge boards, they called them, where we said we pledge to do something in relation to advocacy or accessibility uh, for the future. And my pledge was about supporting teachers and changing the education curriculum to better support teachers uh, in the classroom as they work with their students with disabilities. I'm curious, what was yours? Do you remember? Um, I don't know if you can see it, but right up on the show. Oh, yeah, no kidding. It's right up there. Um, I pledged to, um, uh, come up with the ability to create technology to help benefit people with disabilities. 
I want to take the chance right now as we move from this into talking a little bit uh, more closely about that experience of support in education and educational assistance. Just before we get to that, I want to say to our audience that uh, you are listening to Help Teach. And just before we get to that conversation, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Help Teach. Today, I'm here with another great member of the Youth Leadership Committee under the Rick Hansen Foundation and a friend of mine, Jordan Lowe. We just finished talking a bit about him and his experience, and we have a bit of a conversation today on support in the classroom and in the school more generally in the form of educational assistance. Now, I know that this is something that has come up on the show before. I've definitely talked about it. It's a pretty big deal for students with disabilities. It's a very key aspect of the sort of support network that students get in public education in Canada. Uh, Before we get to sort of your experience with it, I was wondering if you could just tell our audience a little bit about what is an EA? What do they do in your experience? For me, um, with my experience with educational assistance, they were not only there to help me with um, writing or getting around the school, um, but they do help with some personal care, um, helping with my food. Um, Over the past, I want to say, over the course of my time, in high school, or not high school, just in school in general, my needs became a little higher because of the effects of my disability. And uh, so, yeah, it's like I went from being a full-fledged writer with my own two hands to having someone describe for me, which honestly... It, it, it it's stressful, but at the same time, it's like, okay, autopilot, take over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I mean that's a. I I really want to stress this as we talk about this topic today because, I mean, ideally, I would actually like to follow this episode up with an episode with an EA to to sort of fill it in from the other perspective. But again really key role in the school system. And they do a lot, as you say, they can help students with any number of needs. Uh, it's usually non-instructional support. So in the sense of, like you say, uh, getting around, supporting students with their, their just their self-care and everything throughout a day. It can also be supporting the teacher to operate equipment or to make sure that the a student is receiving the, the support that they need um, in the classroom while they're learning, while they're doing the activities. How has that experience been for you? I feel like it's had a 50-50 effect on me. Like mm. I would have years where I would have the same, the same EA multiple times uh, throughout the year or I would have her on as a certain part of their shift or I would have them maybe just to get on and off the bus. Right. And then another day would take over to help me the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. But there's been some goods and there's been some bads and there's, there's been some times where 
things got real. Mm. Um, one resulting in an injury in gym class. Mm. Um, although it, it wasn't really their fault. Um, they were just not notified to not run with my wheelchair in the gym class. Right. Which resulted in a minor concussion, but, um, my parents took action and, well, it, it wasn't, it wasn't really the EA's fault, like I said. It was, yeah, more of, it was more of the staff's fault for not telling the, this assistant to not run with the wheelchair. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's been that. And then, besides that, it's not just, like, one of the key issues was having an EA that had the same, well, not the same personality, but just compatibility. Like, mm. you want to work in school with an assistant that you got along well with, and they support your hobbies, and they they actually stay there um, a little longer than what they're scheduled to uh, based on their pay. So I really think, like, if you have the right EA and they they go to take that time and take care of you, even past their shift, I really think they deserve to be credited more than what their position really is labeled as right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really interesting point, you know, because I'm thinking back to my experience and similarly, you know, I've had a number of, uh, of different EAs. I've always been, I've mentioned this before, but I've always sort of straddled the line between, um, chronic disability and no disability at all, because fortunately I have quite independent mobility, even given my disability. So it's this, yes, I was assigned an EA, but technically they didn't really need to do much, but also there's the whole like liability issue in, in schools and that kind of thing about injury and all that. So um I'm thinking back to my own experience and yeah, I mean, there are a lot of really great things happen when an EA is there and there to support you and, you know, takes that in takes that in stride and, and, you know, really applies patience and compassion to the situation. And some less pleasant experience too can happen when, uh, when that relationship isn't as strong, you know? Um, and, and you're definitely right. I think EAs have a lot of skills and they do a lot in the education system. So, uh, definitely some, maybe some lack of credit there. And that'll be interesting to talk to an EA about, like I said, in a future episode, maybe. I, I typically gear this show toward teachers, of course, as, as you know, and as I mentioned in the introduction, uh, not to say that other parts of the school system aren't as important in some cases as this one. What I did want to ask though is, do teachers in your mind have a role in this, let's say, trifecta of student, EA, teacher? Do they have a role in collaborating with EAs to support them as they, the teachers, learn more about their students in the class? Like, how do you see that relationship between EA and student, but also the teacher in there? 
Well, with my mother being a a uh, former EA, um, she's actually noticed like if the kids are not behaving properly, she'll step her foot in there and be like, "Hey, listen to whoever you are. Mm-hmm. Like, listen to the teacher. Don't don't misbehave." And sometimes teachers would would go up to her and be like, yo, thank you for helping me out here. Like, really, um, what they do is they try and go the extra mile to support the teachers when really, especially if the kids are misbehaving, like, they, they're almost like a backup unit. Say, if, like, if you were in law enforcement and you're the chief um, and the EA is like your deputy chief. Yeah. Uh, that's how I see things. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting point too. Well, with that, I want to sort of turn it to our takeaway for the episode. And I, I want to say, I really appreciate you opening the door on this conversation with EAs with the sort of collaboration system that we've talked a bit about before on the show, but I think uh, this really opens the door nicely to, like I said, a future episode um, and and to the conversation in general. What I did want to turn now to as our key takeaway is what we were talking about that setting aside extra time in the regular activities of a day uh, as a as a teacher in a classroom can really make night and day difference as far as how smoothly things go in the class. I think teachers tend to make their schedules based on the average student, which is totally reasonable. I mean, your average student is a lot of what you're going to have, but when you, when you have a student with a different kind of set of needs and, and a different situation, five, 10 minutes of extra leeway in a day can really make a huge difference in how supported they feel and how much they feel like their needs are heard and how smoothly things go when you're not rushing for a bus or, or rushing on a walking field trip or something. Though those extra five, 10 minutes can really make a world of difference. Did you want to add something from your personal experience or anything on that, Jordan? Yeah, there's uh there's definitely quite a bit there that can be done because, um, like EAs, I know their job is to like get the child to class, help them out with their daily routine based on whatever their disability is. Sure, they have to take their own courses and just prove themselves that they are capable to handle these children uh, in these environments. But I just feel like EAs haven't been trained to the full potential where they need to be trained based on a lot of a lot more uh, disabilities out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes rushing the child is worse than making the situation better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more you rush the child, the more they could be defined against you and just 
not only derailing your schedule as an EA, but also derailing the entire schedule for the teacher. Yeah, yeah. So I think what needs to be done is not only EAs need to be um, taught for more specific disabilities uh, in the classroom, but I think teachers also need to be taught in a course where they need to know how to handle children with disabilities, whether it's uh, visible or non-visible. Mm. Yeah. Cause for me, like just even just the simplest things are like, it's a no brainer. Like I can't write down things. So, um, huge props to the teachers that helped write down my stuff when my EA was busy with another, another kid in the class. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So props to them. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you there. That's a lot of what I want to do as well. So I, I really appreciate you talking about that, that need. And thank you very much for also coming on and sharing your experience. I, yeah. Uh, I will be linking, of course, your your YouTube in the episode description for those of you that want to go and check Jordan out on YouTube. But for now, thank you very much for coming on and having this conversation with me, Jordan. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Hey, thanks, thanks for having me. You've just heard another episode of the Community Audio Project Help Teach. I'd like to give a huge thank you to my other co-leads on this project, Peyton Given, Maggie Manning, Elise Doucette, and Alexis Holmgren all youth leaders at the Rick Hansen Foundation, who I'd also like to thank for their continued support in this initiative and others. My name is Mihai Kovacer. I am your host, editor, and producer for this podcast series. Thank you to Every Canadian Counts and their hashtag Rising Youth Initiative for funding this project and for allowing us to put out our vision for change into the community. You can find all transcripts, episode notes, and links to other resources on our base site, helpteach.transistor.fm or listen to us wherever you find your podcasts. If you have any questions about the show or would like to get involved, now get in touch at helpteachpodcast at gmail.com. That's helpteachpodcast at gmail.com. Tune in next time for more great conversations and key takeaways that you educators can implement in the classroom today to make it a more accessible and inclusive place for all. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.